Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Drum Network podcast. I'm senior reporter for tech at The Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. This episode, we're going to be talking about platforms, particularly how they relate to brands, to agencies, and ultimately to their audiences. We know that it's not a zero-sum game and that platforms have an awful lot of power about how we actually communicate with consumers. But does that necessarily mean that they are our enemy or... Is there a collaborative approach that we can take using them in order to benefit the entire marketing ecosystem? Well, to determine that, I'm joined by three absolutely fantastic guests who I'll ask to introduce themselves now. So to begin with, I wondered if you could introduce yourselves to our audience so they get a clear idea of who you are. Tahir? Yeah, so Tahir Rashid. I'm a paid media manager from uh, Unrivaled. Um, We're based in Leeds, Manchester. We have sort of a satellite team up in Lithuania as well. So, yeah. Nice. Perfect. And Amy? Hi, I'm Amy Gilbert. I am the head of social at The Social Element. We are both in the UK and obviously I'm in North America. Very nice. And Callum? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Callum Gill, head of insight at DRPG. Uh, we're a creative communications agency. Um, we sit across um, the UK, uh, uh, Europe, North America. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I spend most of my days talking with clients uh, about the future and trends. So hopefully I've got something to add to this one. <laughs> nice. Well, that sounds fun and incredibly uh, far flung. So I'm looking forward to hearing your, t- your sort of takes on all this. So to begin with then, Amy, when we talk about platforms, it's such a nebulous term. What do we what do we tend to talk about? Are we talking about social specifically or are we talking about kind of anything that enables communication between brand and audience? Yeah, I think everyone kind of defines platforms a little bit differently. And the the term can kind of flex a little bit as well. Um, I think about it as things where you're social. So sometimes we're talking about everything from TikTok, which is my personal favorite, and I could talk about it for all day long. Uh, Or you're even talking about things like dating sites and the social connections that you're forming there as well. So um, I think there's kind of the core platforms that we think about when we think about social platforms, your metas, your Facebooks, your Instas, you know, those types of things. But when it comes to platforms in particular, we don't really like to buy it in when you think about social platforms, that is really an evolving space. And there's a lot of different ways to kind of approach that. Yeah, 100%. In fact, you've touched upon the the fact that, you know, it is such a fast moving space that often we kind of do need to take it back a little step and and go back to kind of a definitional aspect of the discussion. Um, To hear then, I wondered when when we talk to audiences, though, what are kind of the main platforms that we tend to use? Obviously, we, we can't use the dating sites in, well, we can use them for kind of very targeted and interesting campaigns. But for the most part, what are we using to talk to audiences? Yeah, you can, there's a range of, I think you think about the traditional platforms such as Facebook um, and, and your LinkedIn and, and Snapchat, but then also we're now, we're now sort of evolving as well into um, TikTok um, and even, you could even, you know, you look at some companies using the likes of WhatsApp and WeChat to reach out to to customers. Um, but yeah, there's a range of ways to to communicate. It's what now it's the most effective way and the most important way to um, reach the core and target audience that you're, you're, you're trying to reach and just, just establish that relationship between the publishers and the platforms and then understand the audience that you're, you're trying to pitch to. And you use the word effective there. When we're talking about effectiveness in terms of using platforms to communicate, are we talking specifically around scale, about it being kind of the, the biggest broadcast model we can use, or are we talking about different things? 
No, I don't. I don't think it's simply down to scale. I mean, if you if you think about scale, you're thinking you're thinking Facebook and you're thinking uh, Google, but now it's about the 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 type of engagement you you're having with your your target and core audience, and even now it's it's a case of publishers um, almost cutting out the the platforms themselves in terms of Facebook and Google and going directly to mm. to their audiences by increasing subscription models on their on 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 their publishers or um again it just just engaging content on on the likes of TikTok and I think this conversation will probably surround more around sort of TikTok and Web3 but sort of go into that as well yeah absolutely and then you were talking there about subscriptions and obviously we've seen Instagram and TikTok both launch direct subscriptions now which is kind of a fascinating angle we could we could go down Callum then you have a kind of a a future-facing role I suppose when we're talking about platforms which different audience cohorts are using the different platforms. Obviously, the the impression is that older people now are kind of gravitating towards Facebook, whereas younger audiences are across those kind of more video based ones. Is that the case? And it, you know, how else is that kind of informing how brands think about those platforms? Yeah, I think in I think in broad strokes, that's that's true. I don't think you can avoid that when something new comes onto the market in a digital ecosystem. It's normally your younger cohorts, as you said, Generation uh, uh, X may be sneaking in in some places. Actually, very interestingly, on platforms like Discord, yeah. you'll still see a lot of Generation X um, because they are longtime gamers, uh, and that's part of their community. So you can stretch, you can stretch right up to that end. But when you're looking at things like TikTok, I think you see a lot of missteps coming from brands in that space, not understanding that that audience is very much. Uh, space in that lower demographic. Uh, and for me, if you look at Generation Alpha, you know, as we've run out of things to call Generation, <laughs> so now we've gone to the Greek alphabet. Um, we're going to, I think the biggest impact that they're going to have, yes, absolutely. They're driving this growth of TikTok, overtaking Snapchat, probably the third platform now, uh, if you think about it in that context. Um, but they're going to drive the interactions with metaverse spaces and not you know not meta from the facebook perspective i'm a little bit sad about how they hijack that terminology i'm talking about like the alternate spaces if you like like roblox um places like that where where brands like gucci are already heavily involved in doing really exciting stuff and as amy said this is about where you're social Uh, and where communities are created you don't have to limit your idea to these monolithic brands that have have social presence and actually the brands and corporations that are going to win are the ones that make meaningful connections across a multitude of platforms at the right time for the right reasons yeah absolutely amy i saw you were kind of nodding along there particularly when we were talking about that community aspect of it so then what do we miss when we're talking about how brands actually reach out to audiences across either new platforms whether that be decentraland whether that be some of those metaverse platforms or through the kind of the older broadcast models of social what do we what do we typically miss when we talk about community there yeah i mean i think community just continues to be the most important piece when we think about these social platforms i started out my 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 whole space in social and the community management side. And it feels like a few years ago, you know, as we moved into more of a paid model, we started to think a little bit more about how we can just reach all these great big audiences, but not really necessarily what they wanted to hear about or what they care about. So we keep having this kind of, maybe we're in like 4.0 at this time, this resurgence of this understanding of needing to make uh, human connections. And we talk a lot about, a lot about that at the social element. Uh, our, our kind of tagline is genuine human connections, which I think is, is a totally fair thing to say. 
say, you know, people aren't necessarily coming out to look for your product or going into social to be able Mm -hmm. to find um, something about your, about your brand or about your product. But if you can really have that connection with them and show up in interesting ways and show that you understand what they're talking about and what they care about, uh, there's that opportunity to actually form that connection, form that community or find that community of people who are talking about you or who are interested in you um, to really just form that, that closer connection within social. I think you've hit the nail nail on the head there about that connection piece because I think the biggest problem is that brands or or you know teams that come in brands don't come in with the right understanding and they try to commoditize all this mm. and so and, and quite often you can see that there's a disingenuous nature about what they're trying to do it's simply we want to be on this platform because we've heard about it or maybe we think people are on it but in the boardrooms or in the meeting rooms they're they're turning their nose up at gamers and you know and and making disparaging comments about the types of audiences that they're trying to reach because they don't understand the platforms that they're engaging with and they don't want to make meaningful connections exactly exactly like you said and everyone on this call I'm sure realistically that's what we're selling or that's what we're trying to put across not clicks likes and the dreaded impression um which you know what meaning does that have in the current ecosystem who knows but i think it's connection that's what that's what we're going to sell through social right i mean that's that comes back down to social, right? You go you go on social platforms, you have a connection with someone. So brands that are able to think with that space and how they're having a connection and know a connection isn't, hey, here's my product, please buy it. Uh, and actually getting to, to think about the things that make you human and make you have that kind of social connection. Those are the ones that are going to win out every time. Yeah, I think Callum touched on a point um, in terms of, you know, being authentic with you know, their audiences, what you're finding now is so many um, uh, publishers also and, and companies are reaching into brand, you know, of absurdism and mm. they're almost engaging in such a different way and not always reading the, the target audience that they're, they're you know, they're, they're engaging with. And, and I think, yeah, it comes from the boardroom and, and they're trying to uh, see where the best revenue streams are coming from and how they can monetize our audience. But it's having that full understanding of what the, the future would hold across these platforms such as TikTok and then moving into, into the metaverse as well. And then engaging that sort of ch- changing that brand absurd, absurdism into something that's actually authentic and, and, and talking out to, to the correct sort of audience. I was just going to say at CES, the big tech show, I saw someone created an Instagram account going around and snapping all the most ridiculous uses of the term metaverse that they yeah. could find at the event. That's your danger, right? In terms of authenticity, you hear the word, you say, oh, let's plug metaverse into my toaster. And I think it, it literally was the, the toaster for the metaverse. And when you start to get into that realm, I mean, it's almost beyond absurdism, isn't it? It's it's not even that. It's 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 almost poisoning the well for any future use of it because people are so primed, ready to kind of reject brands from that space. If I go into a VR chat now and I see a, a, you know a brand is kind of intruding in a way that makes that communication, that community aspect of it, just completely meaningless, then it's gonna it's gonna ruin the experience for everybody. One thing then that we should leap forward and talk about then is: is it important? Is it more important now to have platform specific specialists to ensure that we are being authentic, that we're engaging with communities in the way that they are typically spoken to from other members of that community, or can you still do a kind of a a broad sweep across that in best practice? I don't know who wants to take that. 
Yeah, I think this is something that is is always a con- a constant question of there's there's just so much happening out there, right? There's so things are changing constantly, platforms are changing constantly. Um, it, it, to work in social and to be in social, I think it's important that you have a good understanding of all of the different platforms that are out there and what they can do. But there's also something to be said about evangelizing the people on your teams who also have an interest in different platforms. Mm. We've got some people who are TikTok nuts uh, who are on there and can tell you all the greatest trends and make sure that they're using the right emoji and really be able to authentically respond back with something that says gorgeous, gorgeous girls that not everybody else can do. Um, And separately, you have people that can do the same thing on Twitter. So I think there's, there's opportunities to and the social marketer kind of have your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on, we're only going to be able to go as far as you can. So really kind of leaning in and finding people on your team that you can work with as well to bounce things off of uh, that have more of that interest and that passion and are in those communities day in and day out that help add that authenticity or else you will kind of show up uh, with, with missing the mark a little bit. Yeah, fantastic. And to hear you wanted to add to that. Yeah, look, to, to create that engaging content and, and you you have to be in the space itself. And it's moving at such a terrifying pay, pace in terms of via via you know VR technology and AR technology and into the metaverse and, and what does web three mean? If you're not actually placing your teams into those spaces, you know, engaging with uh, with TikTok and engaging uh, with Snapchat and what it means, you know, which brands are actually already in that space, you'll be left behind, you know, and, and it's it's not a case of just uh, engaging for the sake of engaging, but actually truly understanding uh, what's within within that space at the moment, what, what seems to be uh, working well, what's actually um, being, you know, talked about on the likes of Discord and, and Reddit and, and other sort of social channels. Um, but it's, it's just that experience. And, you know, we're finding the same sort of behavior shift in when the internet was first evolving into sort of web two mm. and, and the brands that are more successful are ones that sort of push their employees into the space. And, and I think that's where digital marketing companies also just need to continue is engaging with those, with those spaces and, and, and making sure that they have multi specialist team, you know, teams across their entire delivery. So uh, I suppose that the next question is in terms of owning that space, we've seen, Callum, you mentioned before kind of meta owning that, making a play for that metaverse space, which to me seems like we're going to replicate some of the mistakes that we've made with Web2 in terms of actually allowing platforms to kind of dictate what, well, where the power lies there. So when we're talking about this, is there still an acrimonious relationship between some of the platforms and their kind of hoarding of data with potential advertisers? Or is the need to be competitive kind of eroding that and making sure that there is a little bit more transparency between advertiser brand and platform? Yeah, so from from my perspective, I think the acrimony extends beyond brands, platforms, all the way to the audience. Mm. Uh, as well uh, and i think there is a you know a hyper aware audience now and i think maybe the mistake of the platforms is in order like let's let's make no bones about this first of all um we talk about creator led platforms uh, as the future so things like tiktok and all that, and all that kind of stuff they absolutely they absolutely are without a shadow of a doubt you've got you know those younger generations uh, generation z and alpha they're the largest creative identifying generations that we've had since before the war since before the second world war um so you used to hover around 12% of that audience would consider themselves creative now it's roughly 47 percent. that statistic comes from lsm one of the platforms that we use and um, so 
that creativity is going to reward creator-led platforms. But Facebook have no media. Mm. They don't make anything. None of these platforms make anything. So, you know, the battle that's going on there and, you know, what it means and how it's polarizing society. I mean, you know, the, the kind of the, the flip side of that is everybody's still on these platforms. Everybody talks about the toxic nature of Instagram and Facebook and all this kind of stuff, and nobody leaves. In Not going anywhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nobody leaves in meaningful numbers. But, you know, and advertisers still reach you, and it's still pretty much the last game in town beyond, you know, you know beyond Google. Um, you know, what what is the future for that? I think where the disruption is going to come again, I'm going to put my focus on this because it's what I have to talk to my clients about, where the disruption will come with these platforms. And I can't remember the name of it. I saw it on Dragon's Den relatively recently, but the kind of platforms and overlays that you get on browsers, which start to Mm. take ownership of people's data and then sell it back to these brands and and basically act as a middleman between the human being and the data, because then the power is eroded from the platform immediately. Then the brands have all the power to set the agenda and human beings are basically effectively taking back of, you know, data is the new oil, that that whole thing. But, you know, something's got to give. At the moment, everybody's talking about how bad things are in various points along that journey and nothing is is happening about it. So when that happens, I don't don't know. I I don't really know, but something's got to happen. And when it does... It's only that's what I'm trying to say. I can only really see the platforms themselves losing out yeah. in 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 that space because the people create the stuff and the brands have the money to pay them, so they're in the middle. They have all the power at the moment. That can't last. Well, let's talk about that then, because there is the, the idea that the, so many of these platforms are creator driven, particularly as we mentioned, kind of the ones that appeal to younger audiences. Where does the power balance lie then between brand? influencer let's say or creator and the kind of the advertising and the platforming side so to hear where do we see kind of that creator-led ecosystem going is it greater power for the individual creators as we've seen with instagram tiktok allowing subscriptions or is there still going to always going to be that place for brands to kind of sit alongside that creator content it has to be looked at sort of looked from a revenue point of view and data point of view and actually to follow on from what callum callum mentioned the, the reason why Facebook has sort of evolved into Meta is to, is to build that, that first party data because of the relationships with the publishers that, you know, losing out on the, on the third party data that mm. traditionally, you know, been sort of, they've had. So the power lies within, within the creators. Web three is a creator economy. It's, it's, and that's why, you know, new platforms such as Twitch and, and discord, they, they've been fueling this sort of direct uh, creator to fan fan network. And what they're doing is they're bypassing these traditional gate gatekeepers, which were, which have always been sort of present. And these gatekeepers have been either the, the publishers or, or plat- platforms. So for example, Facebook allowing, you know, cutting out certain uh, new channels appearing within their actual feeds. So that shifted power back to the creators to, to engage with their audiences and and now with the with the implementation of of direct payments and through subscriptions, the same way news channels are, are uh, sorry news sites are gaining um, control by allowing subscriptions directly from their their readers and cutting out Facebook and, and that traffic. Um, the the same way the Web three will be it's, it's a creator economy and, and and the future will be, you know, engaging content developed from. You know, you know, decentralized creators that, mm. that don't need to rely on these gatekeepers and they can actually bypass, um, you know, platforms and, and, and other sorts of rules, uh, rules of engagement and actually just talk and, and deliver content that that's ever evolving for, for their audiences. 
I think to build on that too, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Instagram and TikTok kind of subscription features really roll out. Mm. Thinking about TikTok and the creator fund that they've already put forward. You know, there's a lot of people who have signed up for that and who have been a part of that, but there's also a lot of people who are not making a lot of money from it and not really seeing the opportunities come through it because the barriers are so, so strong and so big for the amount of likes you have to get and the amount of people commenting and being on content that you see them kind of sometimes just asking, asking everyone to spend a little bit more time, watch this video a little bit longer, yeah. you know, help be able to make this work. Uh, so, you know, you're still working within those platforms and the platform's goal is still for their, their biggest opportunity to, to keep people there, to be able to, to make funds for themselves as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how these subscription models, if they're actually going to be um, as beneficial for the actual creators as, as they're, they're kind of putting them out to be. Yeah, I, I saw that was. One, isn't it? I was. I was just going to say, Chris, because I think there is like if you look at the the overarching marketplace and you look at sort of like like future meta platforms, which I think Fortnite is absolutely one. I think if you want to mm. look at gaming transition into this space, Fortnite is doing all the right things at the moment. Um, and they they literally dug their heels in and stood up to Apple, the only fans. Uh, uh, thing which happened relatively recently, like all platforms have got, you know, uh, um, duties of care and issues or issues around that. It's not just those that deal in adult content, like like OnlyFans. But the interesting thing that happened, obviously, is after the credit cards said that they were going to withdraw their support because they can't support that type of um, content. It was social backlash that turned the, that that turned them around and basically said. Um, no, you can't. You can't uh, deny the revenue streams to these people who've removed themselves from unsafe situations and put and put themselves in there. And that was another creator-led revolution against these sort of monolithic entities mm. governing the way we interact with digital solutions. And so I, I think that you're like to hear and Amy are both exactly right. There's like there's this there's this kind of reading the room. The, the the elements that are going on across the platforms, but simultaneously the ability for creators in that space to put their foot down or dig their heels in and stand up to some of these bigger organizations, which maybe even if we were having this conversation, maybe like two years ago or something, we would say, no, nah, that's never going to happen. You can't, you can't tell off Visa, you can't tell off Apple and get away with it. Well, no, you can, like you can, as long as you've got the clout and the social community behind you to do it. Well, actually, that's something I wanted to touch upon is you mentioned Twitch there and we've seen with Twitch and kind of some of its SY rivals like YouTube Gaming and a bunch of the other ones uh, offers huge um, deals to influencers and creators on their platforms to kind of lure people across and hopefully bring though you know those influence-led communities with them. So to what extent then is the power now shifted? I keep saying power as though it's a sort of zero-sum game. But this, um, as though, to what extent then do we think that platforms are now investing in individual talent rather than kind of the, the tech that underpins it. Is that going to be the focus for the next few years is kind of taking ownership of communities rather than kind of investing in new flashy features or kind of lenses or what have you, or is, I suppose, do they all kind of contribute to the same thing? I think you might see a little bit of both. Um, you know, the the anytime a good feature comes out, everyone's going to try to replicate it as much as they can because you're trying to get people to be there. It's just so interesting to me to see how every single thing is on Instagram five seconds yeah. later. It's so blatant. Uh, yeah. It's so blatant. 
Yeah. I remember talking about stories when they first brought it out and thinking like, there's no way this is going to take off. Snapchat's got such a great, a great um, opportunity there. And obviously that that's not how that turned out. Uh, you know, but I think there's, you can't just focus on the creators and kind of bringing that in because you're, you're losing a lot of other communities or people who maybe haven't found their communities yet. Right. Like there, there are people that are using those platforms for other interests, for other features, and they're learning things about themselves and finding themselves in new communities. Uh, so TikTok, I think, has also been really big on that as well. I found myself in all sorts of different communities that I didn't think that I'd be a part of, uh, like clean talk or watching people restock their fridges every Friday. I don't know why, but it becomes something <laughs> that you want to watch and that you want to see. Uh, and and it introduces you to new types of content. So it's it might be something that they're trying to bring in exclusive partners to be able to kind of get the leg up from there. But I think creators, too, know that they can't just necessarily put all of their eggs in one basket. They get a better opportunity of thinking about their platforms in the same way that brands do of who's really on there, how to reach people in a different way um, and being able to kind of spread their communities across different points where they are versus trying to bring them all to one home base. I think we've what we've seen as well is, and, and I think this is a trend that will track for, for a while, uh, and probably continue to make some of what we do and, and some of what the brands that we work with do much more meaningful as well, is this idea of actual collaboration between brands and communities in, in a meaningful way and for something that maybe has a social purpose or a wider purpose than just simply flogging stuff. You know, Because I think historically, if you look at sponsorship or affiliate propositions that were then outbounded through social channels, none of them have really been exceptionally well received it's you know it's not like it's you know it's just a name tagged with a name now we're starting you know that magic x that they're putting between things gucci x roblox you know all that all that kind of stuff is suddenly yeah the collaboration pieces is, is very different and esports is a great learning ground for that you know you've got um bumble sponsoring the the all-female Fortnite team with very clear brand alignment as to why they're doing it and, and you know all that kind of stuff and they're not claiming that they're a uh, you know a gaming expert or a gaming brand but they've aligned themselves morally through purpose with what that team stands for and therefore allows access to that community in a meaningful way, which for me is much more powerful than, you know, sticking your, your logo on, on a hoarding or a billboard or an event or something like that. And that's why I think the real power of platforms is, is that we talked about it at length, haven't we? Community, right? But you access, um, access that community in, in a meaningful way and you'll get meaningful results mm. and it will resonate with them and, and they'll thank you for it. Absolutely. And, and to hear that, I'm, I can see an Xbox control behind you. So yeah. we should really be recording this in Fortnite or something. I just wondered <laughs> to what extent then do you think that gaming uh, companies like Epic are going to retain control of kind of metaverse spaces? Obviously, we've spoken about Fortnite Creative. You know, we, we've seen Roblox as well as kind of early iterations of the metaverse within that. To what extent is gaming going to maintain control of metaverse platforms or is it going to shift to? the bigger kind of social players like Meta, uh, all the kind of the the indie guys like Decentraland, Sandbox, those guys? Um, I think it, like, it comes down to the, the scalability of these virtual sort of worlds in, you know, within the Metaverse. And Facebook is sort of investing heavily in software and hardware to support Metaverse displays. But 
But as, as, as the guys have mentioned, you know, the, the likes of Fortnite, they've already sort of tapped into a new way of, of gaming. And, and the key word pops up in a lot of what we said today is, is that is sort of redefining what social means mm. and, and actually the, the, the power of community. And those gaming platforms that, that think about the, and, and those gaming um, publishers that think about their, their communities and think about what their communities want across various channels, such as Twitch and Reddit um, and, and Discord, and engage with them in a meaningful, meaningful way, they're the ones that will find success. So, you know, even just outside of Decentraland and, and, and other um, uh, gaming, you know, sort of uh, technology within in, in, the, in the metaverse, you know, you look at the likes of Ubisoft trying to um, introduce um, NFT-specific <laughs> yeah. you know, items within did the you, game. Did you see their response to that today? No, no. They, they got they, they got a lot of criticism for it, and they just said, "Yeah, but game is ready. It's basically so they'll, they'll come around. They'll come around. It's ridiculous." Yeah, yeah. And, and and exactly. And it's it's not just investing in technology for the sake of it. It's understanding what 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 people want, and um, even the 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 gaming publishers pushing towards pay to earn, which is mm. you know it's going to be sort of central to to Web three. Um, if it's not done the right way, and and not and you're not thinking about the community and the social aspects. Um, it's just it's just not going to work and but the technology is there available but it's not really mm. being used or utilized um in such of a mass or, or sort of engagement i think amy said it right at the beginning um about when we were trying to define social or, or we're providing our definitions for social and social platforms so social is where people are so you can where communities are, are generated and i'm going to hedge my bets here and not mention the brand name that that, that in in that that we were talking about this with but when we were doing research around how we engage with their community uh, in a meaningful way we found that the lobby on the mm. game was one of the most important places to make that communication and you know you've got god knows how many gamers sitting there waiting for you know either waiting for friends to join them so that they can start a game or waiting in a queue or you know talking about whatever they are and you know from a point of view of the community that was a really powerful place and that's one i don't know what does it look like in certain games it just looks like a old msn forum you know, <laughs> yeah. there are no bells or whistles, whistles there or anything but people are talking there so why not join that conversation there and make it part of that that strategy and i think yeah. that the understanding and interrogation across the entire proposition is really important because that power piece that you were talking about, Chris, I mean, at the moment, we are not seeing that, um, you know, that um, widespread adoption of the technology required to enter certain metaverse mm. spaces that, you know, have been mooted as being so successful for many years. You know, I am entrenched in all of this stuff from a professional perspective. I don't have a VR headset. I rented a Vive for a little while, but I never, I never, I don't have, don't have Oculus. I haven't fallen into that trap. Those people that I know have it, love it. Yeah. But, you know, if we're talking about all these interactions in social places when, like maybe everyone on this call is looking at them through a 2D landscape and they were designed to be 3D. We're not going to engage socially in the same way. Yeah, you know, We have to think about the future of the platforms that we can, you know, that we can meaningfully interact on. That's what, you know, that's where the, you know, the, the power is going to be. But I think it's interesting to, like, I think creativity and thinking outside the box is what's going to 
drive the power away from quite rigid structures like Meta or, or other pe- or other people in those places. Yeah, absolutely. And then, we're, unfortunately, we're kind of coming to the end of this. We could have spoken about this for weeks and weeks. In fact, we did do an entire deep dive on the drum about this last week. But um, for, for a final question, Amy, I was wondering if I could ask you, when we're talking about platforms, where do we see kind of that innovation coming from? You mentioned before kind of that cloning of of uh, kind of functionality across different ones and sort of the the different uses that different parts of the communities find from those different tools. But do we look to kind of platforms from, you know, like China, we're talking about like Line and WeChat, do we look to them as kind of the future of the social platforms or are we kind of looking for innovation elsewhere? I think that's a really interesting question because, you know, some of the things that we see happening too with some of the things like WeChat, we're not necessarily, we're also finding ways to take some of the features that are getting popular there and put them into the current platforms that exist, right? Um, thinking about live shopping, how that has become such an important part of the pandemic and the way that we think about, um, the way that we think about shopping, you know, that's starting to be adopted on Instagram shopping as well. Um, so I think there's going to continue to be this move of finding features that work and kind of incorporating them into other platforms and seeing the platforms evolve and change and not necessarily be the same thing that they were once and once before. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the biggest thing when it comes to how these platforms are evolving and moving and shifting is I think it's just, I think part of it's going to be driven by these experiences and how we, continue to bridge that gap between reality and, you know, this AR and VR kind of world that we're in. I feel like we've been talking about AR and VR about to take off for what, five years or (laughs) every time a new platform would come out from Facebook and or F8 would happen be like, Oh, this might be the year. This could be the thing. Um, But is, if anything has taught us from all of us having to be inside from the last two years is we're kind of ready for it now. But what Mm. we were saying, before too is you need the technology to be able to do it. So AR is going to win out because you can easily do that on your phone. You can go on Pinterest and try on all the eyeshadow shades before you buy it. You can go on Snap and try on the new Nikes before you buy it or see the couch in your home before you buy it. Those things are going to continue to elevate us, but it's it's going to be really focused around um, what you actually have access to versus trying to get everyone moving on to a whole new technology. Yeah, certainly. And I am unfortunately one of those people, Callum, who has fallen into that Oculus trap and sort of took to the quest. It's great. Yeah, that's the problem. It's really good. Um, (laughs) Well, one day we'll be able to do it. If you want one out of left field, if you want one out of left field for innovation, I think the societal push towards diversity and inclusion as a concept and access is going to throw up so many amazing innovations in this space. Amy just mentioned bridging the gap between real experience and, you know, the digital spaces that we create. Sometimes we forget how many people are closed off from these experiences through disability, through, you know, lack of sight or whatever it might be. Like they're developing things in terms of pregnancy tests at the moment that raise silicone indentations. Because obviously, you know, people can't read pregnancy tests in, yeah. in that space as if they're blind. But now you can do it. So imagine if we start having displays or elements in our technology where we can start to actually create physical representations of the types of experiences that we're creating. I know that's a little left field, but I think that's an innovation based on the like overarching conversation that's being had in this space at the moment that's really meaningful and could be really exciting Mm. when it's like retrofitted back to you know uh, able-bodied people in terms of what we can experience through that kind of stuff as well just a just a thought because it's been on my mind recently 
No, absolutely. Well, we'll meet back here in five years today and we'll discuss that. <laughs> we have a date. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's giving, it's, it's just giving that control back to, you know, it's, it's giving that control back to people who usually wouldn't engage with, with these platforms or, you know, and usually not have that control in terms of the, the content that they, content that they create um, or, or maybe even attending a virtual concert, something that they, they may never have done before. And that's why the likes of Fortnite have done so well. And Amy touched on the point of the pandemics of accelerating that push into VR and AR. Um, even if you look even back a few years into Pokemon Go, the way they sort of revolutionized the way of actually mobile gaming and how they engage so many, you know, so many users, users that may never have really sort of gone out and socialized in the way of catching AR Pokemon, but now they're encouraged to walk and, and actually be more active and, you look at when you read Reddit forums and you read how people have gone through, come out of depression mm. because of AR technology. And that, and that's the shift. It's the shift is given access to the, to, to users and, and the communities that may never have had access to something before. And that's why this push into the web three is, is all about that. It's giving control back to creators, taking control away from platforms and I think as, as a team and, and, you know, being in the digital marketing space, we just have to make sure that the platforms don't muddy the waters again. And, and we keep that decentralized role in the whole aspect. Cause that's what blockchain and crypto and NFT is all about. It's not being centralized. Yeah. Well, like I said, we could, we could have spoken about this for yeah, hours more. Yeah. And I just, you, that mention of Pokemon Go just made me so nostalgic. And I felt like that was the last, <laughs> I think it's a measure of how bad the last couple of years have been. I was just like, yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, so Amy to here and Callum, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Drum Network podcast to discuss this. If any of the listeners want to reach out, bend your ear on anything you've mentioned over the course of the episode, where would be the best place for them to find you, Callum? Yeah, probably just find me on LinkedIn, search Callum Gill, uh, head of Insight DRPG. Uh, you'll find me pretty quickly. Nice. Perfect. And Tahir? Yeah, so LinkedIn as well, uh, Tahir Rashid. Um, so I work at sort of Unrivaled and um, we, we sort of engage with, with brands in sort of game-changing experiences through website and performance marketing. So yeah, you, you'd find me on that. Nice. Perfect. And finally, Amy? Yeah, LinkedIn as well. Amy Gilbert, um, head of social at The Social Element. That would be the best place to find me. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Again, we'll, we'll, we know we're coming back here in exactly five years. So I'll keep, yeah. this, I'll keep this meeting open. But until then, thank you very much for taking part on the Drum Network podcast. Thanks so much. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Thank, thank you, Chris. Much.